0: This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. This is Secrets of the Most Productive People, a productivity podcast where we work smarter instead of harder and dissect exactly how to get it all done. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor, Kate Davis. On today's episode, how to deal with isolation. So it has been nine months since the country mostly shut down due to COVID-19. And in that time, you've maybe had some socially distanced walks with your friends or dined outdoors over the summer, and you've probably spent way too much time on Zoom. But despite our best efforts, it's fair to say that 2020 has been a year of isolation for the vast majority of people. And that's really hard to cope with and only getting harder during the holiday season, as many follow the CDC advice to stay home and not gather with their families. Families. This is something that staff writer Pavitra Mohan has been reporting on and is back on the show to talk about. Pavithra, welcome back and happy holidays. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So for your reporting, you spoke to someone who made the hard choice not to see their family for Christmas this year.
1: Yes. Uh, I spoke to Ariel Pittman, and she's an attorney from Charleston, South Carolina. She lived with her fiancé, and usually they would do the normal, traditional family visit for the holidays. Her parents have actually lived in Ohio the past two years, so sometimes they'd go up to visit them.
2: Mm-hmm. Or my parents would come down to Greenville, South Carolina, where most of my family is. Mm-hmm. And I would drive up there, and we'd all gather at one of my aunt's house for you know, a celebration for Christmas there.
1: But this year, that's not likely to happen. Obviously, with cases going up across the country, the pandemic is enough of a reason to deter a lot of holiday celebrations. But like almost everything, politics plays a role in family dynamics around this. Because we are in the South.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, most of my family is very conservative. They you know, go to church every Sunday. They vote Republican. Mm -hmm. that's just how things are Mm -hmm. Um, except for my parents were always Democrat when I was growing up so I was sort of raised to be a Democrat and Mm -hmm. I have just decided I'm very much not ever going to be a Republican and you know it was great to at least have my parents to talk to but once Trump came along in 2015 Um, my dad became a fan of Trump.
1: (laughs) So having differing political views from your family has made holidays a little more fraught in general over the last four years. But with the pandemic, it has really deepened the divide.
2: He's not one of these people who believes it's a hoax. Um, You know, he believes in science, he believes in being safe, but he does think, you know, well, you can't destroy the country and the economy. And, Mm -hmm. you know,
0: People just got to get back to work. We just got to start living our lives again. That's just how things got to be. And, you know, the sad part is if the pandemic hadn't been so politicized and everyone was on the same page from the beginning, maybe the cases wouldn't be so high as they are right now. And we might have the ability to visit family more safely. But it can be really difficult to navigate seeing people in your lives, whether it's family or friends, when they all have these differing levels of what they think is an acceptable level of risk.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I I think it's been really challenging for a lot of people, especially given that this is typically the time of year that you might see extended family members that you don't ordinarily get to see. And I I think there's this real sense of loss and and a lot of guilt involved in it, too, where you feel like you have to explain yourself to family members who just don't get it.
0: And it's like it's it's so fraught because sometimes the people who have you know f- want to gather and want to do the the riskier things are the people who are in those high risk categories and so then you're in the position of being a, a you know a healthy younger person who you know isn't at high of risk saying I'm trying to do this for you for your health and you know when when that person doesn't feel that way when they they see the thing that you're doing or hear the thing that you're doing and take it in the complete opposite way of like you don't want to be with us that's uh, you know you're being selfish you're being overreacting how can how can we not have this Christmas together you know and then and then you're coming from the point of like well I'm doing the thing to try to keep you safe and like the the anger and the fraught and the the guilt and like all of it it's you know
1: yeah yeah it's really difficult and I think for a lot of people um you know it's so tied up with um loss and and you know, dealing with kind of family tragedies. I, I think it's just so challenging in this moment, um, to kind of grapple with all of that and and sort of and tell people in a way that doesn't feel like you know, you're just sort of dismissive of their feelings or that you just don't want to be around them that hey, like I'm doing this for you and it's important that we we all kind of stick to this. And and so I think Ariel's story really sort of speaks to that that difficulty.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like guilt on both sides, right? Like guilt for for not gathering and not seeing them, but then the 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 idea of the guilt that you would feel if somebody got sick. So back to Ariel, she, has she talked to her family about not coming for Christmas?
1: Yeah. So initially, she thought maybe they could work something out where they just kept it to the immediate family and they could all get tested in advance. But when she talked with her dad on the phone, he told her they'd be gathering at one of her aunt's houses as usual.
2: And I said, No, I don't. I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> And he got a little quiet and he said, well, everyone has to make a decision for themselves,
0: I guess. And my mom was in the background. She didn't really say anything. That's that's so hard. I mean, politics aside, it's not easy for family to be apart, especially when we've had this such a hard year and we're all dealing with so much trauma and stress. Like our natural instinct is to want to gather with the people that we love.
1: Yeah, and on top of everything, Ariel's grandmother passed away earlier this year. Not from COVID, but they were unable to have a proper funeral for her. It's just a lot. And when you're put in the situation that she's in, having to say no to coming to Christmas, you know, it just makes everything a little bit more complicated.
2: So I think these coming holidays in particular, especially with this entire year, are just Mm -hmm.
1: far more loaded with emotion
2: than any other year. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm being the bad guy and I'm hurting their feelings. And I feel especially terrible for my, my poor mother who, you know, all she ever wanted to do was move back to Greenville to be around her mother. Um, and now it's finally happening and she passed away and here her daughter is saying she's uncomfortable coming home for the holidays you know she lost her mother and now it's just and and my mom's completely innocent in this and i just i feel terrible and guilty and i don't want to hurt anybody's feelings but i also don't want to harm anybody
0: i think that it's you know how she's feeling is how a lot of people are feeling to some extent right now and you know Personally, like I know I I moved back to my home state of Michigan this year and a large part of it was to be closer to my family. And we got to see each other outside over the summer, but now with cases on the rise and the weather being so cold, everyone has called any kind of in-person thing off. And it's been so hard. We we just celebrated my daughter's first birthday and our first Thanksgiving in our house with a dining room and like my grandmother's China and we had to do it all over Zoom. And even though like our family is finally living so much closer to us, we still had to do it all over Zoom. And it's been so difficult. And my, my mom was actually diagnosed with cancer just as I was moving back. And it was so nice to finally not be far away from her and to be, to be near her. And this Christmas more than ever, I really want to have this big family gathering at our home, but I, I know we can't do it. I know it's going to be virtual. And as sad as it, it feels for our parents and our siblings, to, like not get to be around our kids and hold the baby and all of that. Like I could never forgive myself if somebody got sick or God forbid died because, because of us, because we gathered, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, that sounds so difficult. And I think so many people are in a similar situation. And what's hard is that this year is just kind of thrown into stark relief how much we value being around each other and how there is no substitute for for being in person. Um, And I think it's just it's so difficult at these moments where people are used to either gathering in some way or seeing people they don't ordinarily get to see and I think especially given that you moved closer to home I mean that's something I've been thinking about a lot is living on the other side of the country for my parents like that has been very challenging during this year and so I can only imagine um, for so many people this has just been such a trying time. It's like it runs counter
0: to your natural instincts like in these in this time of feeling isolated and feeling alone and feeling sad your natural instinct is to gather with the people that you love and especially like at the end of the year like oh my god we made it through this year like that's what christmas is about for a lot of people like aside from the consumerism and aside from religion it's about like oh let's let's all gather together and celebrate together and what year more than any year do you want to gather and celebrate and what year more than any year is gathering the worst thing you can do you know Um.
1: But there are other ways to stay connected this holiday. And I asked Ariel if she had decided on any socially distanced alternatives to going to Greenville to see her family.
2: Well, after my phone call with my dad this week, I did start thinking, you know, maybe we could just arrange a Zoom thing. Um, Mm -hmm. I know. Same, but. I know. Yeah. Nothing. It's nothing. And I think this year has proven that, you know, some some of these. Zoom calls can turn into a lot of fun and Mm -hmm. a a cool experience. And I don't see why that, you know, it's what you make of it.
0: Yeah, Zoom has kind of been the, the best and the worst thing this year. I know that early on I thought... As awful as all this is imagine if this was happening 10 or 15 years ago we didn't have this way to connect and see each other at all and even though we've like had this technology for a few years i think most people never really used it before this year and you know like i mentioned like we lived apart from my family for a really long time and they never got to watch you know our kids like open christmas presents or birthday presents if we weren't there and this year they got to watch it on zoom they watched my daughter open her first birthday presents over zoom and you know that's something that had never happened before so it's a good change in some ways And, you know, dealing with feelings of isolation and loneliness might not seem like an obvious work-life topic, but it has a huge impact on job performance. And even if you are with your family, working remotely when you're used to working in person in a collaborative office can have a huge impact on your morale and your mental health. So after a quick break, we're going to talk about how to cope with isolation during the holidays and the coming long winter months with psychotherapist Alana Kaufman, the founder and director of TalkSuite. And we'll dive into how to stay productive during this time as well. Pavitra, thank you so much for joining us again and sharing your reporting. Thank you so much for having me. This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. Joining me now is Alana Kaufman, LCSW, a psychotherapist and founder and director of Talk Suite. Alana, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: So just how much of an issue is this kind of level of isolation that we've all been in for nine plus months and we've been dealing with? And I, I'm sure it varies from person to person and situation to situation. But can you quantify kind of the, the larger mental health consequences of this this time we're in right now?
3: So that's, you know, yes, I this has been an incredibly challenging year for a lot of, in a lot of different ways. And yes, the coronavirus is a big one. I think the isolation being stuck, the lack of socialization, the lack of even going into an office and having, you know, that kind of connection with your coworkers and the, the water cooler talk and, you know, things like that the overall feeling is loneliness. And then the things that are attached to it is anxiety, depression, feelings of hopelessness, you know, um, I'm never going to get out of this. This is going to be forever. A lot of times I think in this section of, or in this uh, place of the, the pandemic and particularly the isolation part of it, there is a light at the end of the tunnel where we are seeing vaccines that are coming out that are seemingly very effective and safe. And that, you know, so this isn't going to be forever. We are going to get out of it. And so holding on to that is an important way of moving through some of this feelings of the hopelessness, at least, you know, this isn't forever, this too shall pass. I think some of the times, I would say a deeper level, sometimes I think about, can we think about what else is attached to some of these feelings that are coming up? And, you know, I like to say to my clients, sometimes what is hysterical is historical, meaning what is being triggered, you know, what because this like I said, this too shall pass. This isn't a forever thing. Although it doesn't feel good in the moment, it isn't like it. It, it will. It will pass. And so sometimes I like to explore what else is being brought up for me, or for others in, in this moment. You know, feelings of past loneliness. You know, loneliness, mm-hmm. anxiety, depression.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting when you say that because I think. Well there's there's two parts in what you just said that that strike me. One is how how we feel now I feel like is very different than maybe how we felt in April because there is there does feel like there's hope and light at the end of the tunnel and and but at the other on the other side we've also been enduring this for so long and that whole like idea of zoom fatigue and just like there's also that fatigue of just being in this situation for what seems like yes it's only been what 8 months 9 months but it feels like it's been 8 years you know like every day is the same and like the the way that time feels and and even though there is a light at the end of the tunnel it does feel like forever but that that piece about like dredging up the past i think so many people you know because they've been just so inside themselves have like dredged up parts of their their past and their other like it's triggering right um what are what are some of the like kind of warning signs that could signal a deeper level of depression or other mental health issues kind of brought on by this isolation or or the overall stress and trauma of this time
3: Sure. So I think one of the thing, you know, the the uh, the lack of motivation, that malaise, you know, feeling like, you know, I can't get out of bed. I can't it doesn't even have to be that dramatic. I can't you know, I can't even pick up the phone to call a friend or, you know, I just feel the blah, you know, like listlessness and, you know, being curious about what else is attached to that feeling, right? Because again, the situation that's happening right now is it's seemingly temporary, right? Like really ho- holding on to that or looking forward to hold on to that hope. And then when it feels really extreme in the moment, you know, again, being curious about about what other feelings are attached to what is happening right now, right? Does this feeling feel familiar? Was it something that you felt in? college or high school or as a child at home, you know, um, and everybody's gonna have a different experience with this situation. You know, the the unpopular answer I always say is, and I wish I had a magic pill or a wand to make it go away, but the unpopular answer I say is says, we have to tolerate these uncomfortable feelings, you know, sit in them because the only way out of it is through it. And, again, I can't stress enough, this too will pass, you know, as also remembering how strong human beings really are, you know, um, we endure a lot and uh, just human nature and we thrive and survive. um, The majority of us do.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, and and really in the, the course of a life, a year is not that long even though time feels horrendously long right now and in terms of people working from home and kind of trying to maintain their job performance and their you know stay productive when they're when they're feeling so isolated when they're they don't have the collaborative you know work environment and also maybe they're struggling with these other mental health issues what what's your advice there for like <laughs> getting your job done and and performing still
3: Yeah, I feel like, again, holding on to this is temporary and there's a light at the end of the tunnel, I find to be very helpful. I feel like definitely if there is, you know, moments when you're feeling unproductive, get up, take a walk, take, you know, even if it's around your apartment, you know, like go do something else take a shower just to like sort of refresh and also again knowing that this is a feeling this will pass like this you know if if it's in these moments and saying that all right I'm feeling blah right now or unmotivated or I'm um, unproductive that like find a distraction even stretch in your living room you know like things like that where you just sort of get that energy and refocus and come back to the task at hand, whatever it is.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I will say that's something that even though we we covered a lot and we talk about that a lot that I have to remind myself to do. and and with that loss of commute time, you know, I used to have an hour plus a day of commute time that I could read and I could have as like me time. I now force myself to take a walk in the middle of the day for literally yep. fifteen minutes. And every single time I take that walk, I have an idea. And even like not like, you know, a groundbreaking idea, but like something comes, you know, like some sort of clarity that like the constant in front of the screen you do not get. Yeah,
3: 100 percent. And I also think one of the things, too, is to to be like, this is frustrating right now. And it is. And acknowledging that this is not how we want to be for the the future, you know, and that this, this is hard and isolating and you want to hug your good grief. At this point, we want to hug strangers you know? <laughs> <laughs> We're you know, we miss that kind of face-to-face communication. The ease of life feels gone right mm-hmm. now, but it, you know, again, I don't have a crystal ball, but I am very convinced that this is going to, you know, this is going to be the new normal is gonna be really what very familiar to what our old lives used to look like. You know, there will be some changes. I, you know, I always think about that too. And people are like, but it's gonna be new normal and the fear of the unknown and what it's gonna look like. And we can think back in history and times, um, you know, people who lived in New York with the world with the World Trade Center, and it was such a trauma in New York, and it felt like nothing was going to be the same. And years later, it feels pretty normal. The things that have changed as travel, like airline travel, but now it's the new, quote unquote, new normal, and nobody, it's not that terrible. You know, people adjust to it. So, whatever the new normal is going to look like is going to feel very similar to the whole. 9 11, you know, whether it's wearing a mask on public transportation or in big crowds, we're gonna, you know, we may be more of a mask culture, but it will feel within time, it will feel very
0: normal. It is, it is amazing how adaptable we are uh-huh. as humans, you know, and, and I have small children and I've, I've watched how like, this is a huge change for them. And they're just like, oh yeah, I wear a mask all the time now. Like no big deal. This is just what life is. It's like, you know, we are very adaptable. Um, Mm -hmm. You you mentioned like human relationships and i think that's that's a, such a big part of this topic of isolation and and what we're talking about on the show in particular too and right now with like the holidays and family visits it can be like a big source of stress for people in general and with the pandemic there's like families at odds right like parents might want their kids to come home but the kids might not feel comfortable doing that um people have different levels of of um mask wearing and and, um, risk tolerance, how can families navigate these like very fraught situations?
3: Well, it it, it is, you know, I always say find your like level of comfort. And then the rule, usually the rule of thumb, especially in this pandemic is, you know, we sort of defer to the least comfortable. You know, I even, Mm. you know, even personally, I think about that and I think about my friends and who's ever the least comfortable and what, you know, what feels good for for people um, that then I respect and defer that. And I think with family, that is. A whole that is again fraught with a lot of uh past history of how those dynamics how family dynamics go down and and you know uh how the family structure is um you know again it's how do you navigate and negotiate through that as a family where you know meeting to a meeting in the middle of a place that is the the, the most comfortable for both both parties. And, you know, again, this works when there's mutual respect between the parties, right? The family members, whatever they may be. Um, but it is also holding firm and holding strong and keeping your boundaries because again, this is one holiday se- year, you know, season mm-hmm. year we have next year, you know, and if we take precautions now to be safe and then we can have a blowout next Thanksgiving, next Christmas, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
3: you know, everybody will, it will be such a celebration, you know? So yeah. I, I I try to have people think of it like that. Like, although you may disappoint this year, next year, there's always room to make it up next year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and that's I think a lot of people are, are thinking of, of do overs, right? Of like do over of your 40th birthday, do over of your graduation, do over of, of the Christmas, like. The, the celebrations we will have, you know, kind of re- related to that, you know, at the, at the top of the show, we, we heard from a woman named Ariel who is feeling some guilt for not um going to see her family this Christmas. What, what advice do you have for people who, you know, have made their decision? They've drawn that line in their sand. They're, they're following the advice, you know, I'm not comfortable doing this. This is not safe, but they're getting guilt from their family or they're feeling guilt personally themselves.
3: Well, i feel Again, guilt guilt sometimes alludes to the fact that you're doing something wrong, right? Like you know. So I think look, you know, t- knowing that you're you're not you're actually potentially keeping your family safe and healthy, um, and and yourself safe and happy, uh, healthy. But uh, you know, I would also think in terms of. Again, is that what else is attached to that in terms of the family relationship? Um, You know, a a deeper level, I think we can talk about we can talk about the present and the current and what's happening. And again, the, the what we know is next year you can, you know, stay for an extra three days, you know, if you feel like or do something special, you know, maybe. I'll go away somewhere more exotic. I, you know, I don't, you know, something like that or, and, or bring your favorite dish that your family has been begging you to bake, you know, or something like that. But it, it is also, the guilt comes up in terms of, you know, this is a great opportunity to look at what is that, you know, where is that, how, how, where's the root of that guilt you know is this old stuff that's happening because right now my belief is we do want to keep everybody safe and i i want to heed the warnings of the cdc and the Mm -hmm. scientists and saying you know don't travel don't be indoors um with, with groups of people. Um, So I feel like that is the most, that is an important thing to listen to and to do in the moment. And again, this is a chapter in time that will pass. And again, we have plenty of days to be with our family
0: members
3: and the people that we love.
0: Alana, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Alana Kaufman, LCSW, a psychotherapist and founder and director of Suite. And that's all for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to Secrets of the Most Productive People wherever you listen. And if you liked this episode, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you have a question about work life, productivity, or any other suggestion of what you'd like to hear on the show, leave us a voicemail at 833-582-FAST. That's 833-582-3278. Or you can tweet us with the hashtag FCMostProductive or send us an email at mostproductive@fastcompany.com. At Secrets of the Most Productive People is produced by Joshua Christensen.